It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. It's your final gagging part of the men's club season as we wrap the Champions League final. A quick hitter with former stars Mark Schwarzer and Thomas Sorensen. Manchester City win the treble into what could have been so close yet so far. I'm your host, Teo Pelizzeri. This is the Optus Sport Football Podcast. Let's get in to the Gegenpod. So they haven't even laid hands on the trophy yet at the time of recording, but that is what instant reaction is all about. Welcome to the Gegenpod, Mark Schwarzer. Good morning, how are you? Very good, and Thomas Sorensen... Uh, we've got the goalkeepers union. It's probably fitting, given the Champions League final we've just watched, because I imagine we are going to do a lot of talking about the goalkeeping in uh, what transpired in this 1-0 win for Manchester City. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we, we saw two goalkeepers that probably started off a bit shaky, but uh, both came with, with massive saves late on that uh, you know either saved it for their team or, or kept them in it. So uh, you know I think we as a goalkeeping union could be quite happy this morning. So let's start with uh, the big picture. Manchester City don't just win the Champions League and reach the top of the mountain, as was the plan for the City Football Group from day one, but they win the treble as well. And it was maybe interesting that on the world feed that we got here in Australia, Mark, Manchester United, emulating Manchester United, was in the first sentence from the commentator Tony Jones after the full-time whistle. Is this treble only ever going to be looked at through the lens of City matching United? Or do you feel as though it, it stands alone as its own achievement that doesn't need that additional context? Look, no, I, I think you can separate the two. Look, what they've done is they've gone and matched what Manchester United did. I mean, the discussion about whose was better, who's better, which team's better, I, I don't think you can, you can compare it. I, I just think... They've matched it. They're equally as good as each other. Um, and in today's football, Manchester City are the team to beat. And it's the same as back then. You know, Manchester United were kind of one of the teams, if not the club, to to try and knock off the pedestal every time. Um, I, I thought Noel Gallagher said some really interesting things just now about it. And he talked about it. There's a room that Manchester United are in, the ro- only room that they're in. Uh, they're the only uh, sorry club that's in that room. And Manchester City want to join them. And be part of it, and let's let's get the party on. And I mean, that's that's what he said, and 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 it, it actually made a lot of sense to me. And I, I have to agree with him. I, I, I forget about this whole thing of comparing what's better and um, which one's better, which team's better. I I think they're equally um, remarkable accomplishments, and both of them should be should be uh, lauded equally. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, done in different fashions. You know that. You know, we all remember the epic finish uh, that Man United had uh, down at the new camp. And, uh, you know, today was, was different. You know, Man U- Manchester City obviously came in as massive favourites and was expected to win. But, you know, it, it proved a lot more difficult than I think uh, everyone had uh, expected and, and all credit to, to Inter. But I, I agree. Yeah, they, they have walked into, into that room now and let them both have a, you know, you know a, a, a great party in there and, you know, It'll be up to other clubs to try to join them. 
Thomas, how do you feel about this? Manchester City, the City Football Group, they have reached the top of the mountain. It was to be the champions of Europe. I know their fans boo the Champions League anthem, but it didn't reduce how much they wanted to win this coveted trophy. They are here. They're in the penthouse. What does it mean? You know, I think it's just a culmination of, of the work. You know, that this has always been the target, I think, for Manchester City to, to be the top of Europe. Uh, and... Uh, it's been hurtful. You know, they've been there, obviously, against Chelsea, losing uh, a couple of semifinals. Uh, just haven't performed. Obviously, Pep ha- has come under a lot of criticism for his, his you know, his tactics in, in finals. And, and um, you know, so to get over that hurdle is, is massive. Uh, and, and do it on the back of such a, such a great season. I think it, it is the culmination of years and years of, of hard work from, from Pep and the staff. And obviously spending from the club and uh, and that's a whole nother matter but you know I think on the you can only talk about what what happens on the football field and uh, you know it was only a matter of time and and you can sort of sense that you know the relief you could see it at the end of the, the final whistle with with Guardiola you know he, he was sort of just soaking it in and try to stay calm but you know for him massive I think massive massive uh, you know sigh of relief is it is it irony that or ironic that that uh, this was the final where he actually didn't didn't pull out a wild card didn't change something he he stuck with the tried and tested stuck with what they've been doing so well all season I mean yes you could have said maybe Kyle Walker should have started ahead of Nathan Aki but I mean that's always a different thing but to actually like he did last time out in the final you know leaving Fernandinho leaving uh, Rodri out of the team completely which he'd only ever done once in that entire season and obviously that. That, that cost him, I believe that cost him that final. Um, whereas this time round, he stuck to the try and tested. Yes, and Man City weren't at their best, but they weren't allowed to be at their best because Inter, Internacional were outstanding. I mean, they, tactically, they, they nullified Manchester City. They put them under so much pressure, certainly in that first 45 minutes. There was always that big question mark as to whether or not um, they had the legs to continue that high level of press and uh, and closing down on, on, on Manchester City. Um, and then the second half we saw, there was more space. And that's where City then have a slight edge. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a, an amazing tactical display from, from Inter. You know, I think they proved, uh, you know, that, you know, they deserved their place in the final. Uh, I thought, you know, the, the back three, I think Bastoni, Asabi was 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 tremendous you know they kept a, a you know they kept uh harland quiet for he had that one chance but other than that he was invisible i thought uh you know demarco he was bombing on but the, but that midfield they have with brosovic uh and barella you know even uh Chalhanalu, i think uh you know they just closed that space and you could see there was always someone in and around De Bruyne, obviously, in the first half. Then Foden came on, but, but they never got that space. Uh, and, and as you said, it was only those few times late in the game when it opened up a bit, and obviously Man City went ahead, that, that it sort of uh, really became a, a, a real battle. And, um, you know, but defensively, wow, uh, what a performance from Inter. Let's get to the two big moments of the game before we go a little bit more in-depth on how the final played out. The winning goal and Lukaku's big miss. Let's start with the winning goal for Rodri. Through traffic, a composed finish, and it came at an interesting time of the game, sort of just over 20 minutes of regulation to go. It didn't actually feel like it was coming at the time, at least that was my impression. Mark Schwarzer, talk us through how you saw the goal from Rodri that ultimately won the Champions League. Look, I thought it was a a fantastic finish. It was a, a, um, a, you know, he lined it up, he set himself, he opened up his hips, and he hit 
the mark spot on. Like there was such a small gap. When you see the the line from behind Rodri to find that gap, yes, it took us the slightest of slightest of touches from the defender uh, before it went in, but it was a, a wonderful strike. Bernardo Silva's run down the down the the wing on the outside. I mean, there were shouts for handball. There was no way in the world for me it was a handball. Um, and then obviously City reacted more quickly. Certainly Rodri reacted more quickly. And uh, what, what can you say? I don't think... I, th- I think he, he, he struck it just with such calmness and such determination. Um, so often you see plays. I mean, I think Barella struck one uh, in, the, in the game where he skied over the crossbar. Um, but Rodri just kept his cool, kept his calm and went for more placement rather than, rather than power, out, all-out power. And then I think that's that's why you know City took the lead. Um, great, great finish. Yeah, incredible bit of uh, composure. I think when you actually see it from behind, you know, it's not just a ball that rolls to him. You know, it has a bit of a bounce to him. He, he's got to time it right, and and you know that technique and calmness. I think you know a lot of people would have just slashed at it and you know just be lucky to be in that position. We saw, yeah, you mentioned Barilla, but you know when Edison made that mistake early in the game outside the box. Barilla had a chance and he, he sort of, it, you know, he was surprised and he wasn't composed and he just lashed at it. And, you know, that there were sort of small moments in games where, you know, big players make the right decisions. And, and, and we'll probably talk about the save. Um, and, and, but I was more impressed with what actually happened after that. Uh, we'll talk about it. It's interesting as well because Rodri, first 45 minutes, struggled. Um, struggled to get any time on the ball, got closed down so much. Not because necessarily he had a bad first half. It was just how good Inter Milan closed down in, the, in midfield. And I thought that um, to, to then have that moment in the game, like where he had everything was right, everything was on. He could have easily lost his head. He could have easily got frustrated. He could have easily been thrown off his game a bit. Um, but to have that composure and that calmness um, was, again, I thought, outstanding. Well, by contrast, 88th minute, Inter going for the equaliser, header from Romelo Lukaku. If you're into the numbers, the XG of that chance alone was 0.56. It meant that Inter actually ended up out XGing Manchester City by almost double, 1.81 to 0.94. But it was saved. Lukaku did not take the chance. He had some moments in this game. Mark Schwarzer... It's, I mean, you think back to Belgium versus Croatia in the World Cup, it's the Romelo Lukaku we know at times, and it reared its ugly head again. Yeah, look, I, I think we don't, we shouldn't be too harsh on, on Lukaku. Yes, he headed it too close to Edison. He gave Edison a chance. If anything, you would say that he possibly hit Edison rather than Edison making the save per se. You know, I mean, yes, he was in movement. It was his, I, I thought it was more about his momentum. And yes, he turned and he kind of <clears throat> moved his leg towards the ball. So it, it's an it's a unbelievable save. How much he knows about it, well, I'm not quite sure. But it, look, you, you train for that stuff. You, you train for just the slightest of movements, the slightest of reactions as a ball comes across and you see the header coming in towards you, you just throw something at it. And because he's got the right momentum, Edison, that's why he makes the save. Is he So often you see when a ball comes across like that, certainly from a header, a goalkeeper is moving and he's, he's diving already into the back of the net and away from, from the shot. So the fact that Edison actually held his ground um, and uh, was able to get enough behind it uh, to propel the ball away from the goal because he had so little uh, room for for error. There was literally no room for error because he was he was he was actually I think he himself was slightly behind the line. Um, so I, I think it's a bit harsh to 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 criticise Lukaku too much about it. 
Um, but yeah, look, it's his job. He's got to find the back of the net and one would say that he must score from there. You've grown soft, Mark Swartzer. <laughs> My God, <laughs> he's got to score. I can't, come on. Like, there, there, there was a you know, 100% chance. Uh, and I, I can't hold back. I think, I think it's a shocking finish. Uh, you know, these are the moments in games, you know, we talk about the composure. I know it sort of falls to him a little bit quick. Um, but, but, you know, just to, to highlight the difference, what Diaz does afterwards, to me, is IQ off the charts. I think if everyone has a chance to actually go back and look at it, for him, the ball hits Edison, comes back out, I think 99 of 100 defenders would just be stunned, hit his head and go into the back of the net. He actually manages to think quickly, turn his head and actually glance the ball past the, the post. I, I, for me, that was the save and, and that was the, you know, one of the moments of the match you know, for him to do that. And that's why he's a top-class defender. And, and, and I think exactly that situation highlights the difference between those two teams on the day that... Man City just had that composure at the right at the right time. You're not biting back, Mark Schwartzer. You let Tommy Tommy Sorensen just uh, Agassi style return that one over the net to you. <laughs> well, no, like I get what he's saying. Smash. Like, <laughs> no, I get what he's saying, and you're right. Like a top class striker has to score from there, no matter what. I get that. I, I totally understand that. But you've 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 also got to look at the the other side of it. And I think I think the fact that Edison stayed big and and made that reaction save, even if it's a, it's the slightest of movements you see in him. And um, and obviously you're right. Diaz's reaction, the way he's able to guide that ball behind, is absolutely out, off the chart. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. So they're, they're big moments in the game um, that, that that turn the game and or or help win the game for Manchester City, of course. Thomas, how much evidence was there of Manchester City having learnt from their previous big game disappointments? Because the injury to De Bruyne necessitating his substitution off, the shallow back pass, which led to the chance for Lautaro Martinez instead of squaring, he shoots and forces Edison into the save. But a mix-up between a defender and a keeper, as you would well know, can, can rattle the team and can have lasting effects. It did not throw Manchester City perhaps as much as it may have. And I know there's been so much built up about Pep Guardiola making funky decisions for big Champions League games. But what does it say about Manchester City that they did not drop their bundle and they actually clutched it out and won the game, even with those uh, curveballs that were thrown at them over the 90 minutes? Yeah, I think they showed um, experience and, uh, you know, and, and not panicking. I think, that, you know, you look at the game, you know, they, they knew Inter was going to be, you know, they were going to sit back and, and wait for their chances. And, and yes, the worry was that Man City, like they did a couple of times, uh, you know, playing out from the back, just a bit of sloppiness and, and it could have cost them. But I think going the other way, they, you know, they just stayed calm. They stayed, they, you know, they stayed with the plan. Uh, and, and despite, you said, the, the hiccup with, with uh, De Bruyne, obviously going off for the second final in, in a row, you know, you, 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 they still just kept plucking on. Uh, and, and again, Foden should have finished the game off, let's, let's be honest. An, an unbelievable turn and, and run. Uh, couldn't match it with a with a finish, so that should have been game over by then. Uh, and then Edison, obviously, you know, with that large did save from from the corner. You know, we can't forget that. So he he made two great contributions. But you know, they had that little bit of luck as well that they probably didn't have uh, against Chelsea. And uh, but they also earned it. I, th- I think they were patient enough to to just stick with it. Yeah, I, I think it's the fact that there's the core of that team was there two years ago. The core of the team. They're, that, they're two years older. Um, 
I thought Gundogan, Bernardo, I thought Bernardo Silva was outstanding. I thought Jack Grealish was a little bit quiet um, at times in the game. He got fouled every time. He kind of uh, tried to get around. He's, he, you know, he's he's, uh, he's he's opposite number. Um, Dumfries was was out, outstanding against him in that in that uh, um, certainly the time until he got taken off. And I thought that uh, um, when you look at that spine of the team, you know, Edison with Diaz, uh, I thought I, I thought Ankanji is a, is a, has been a wonderful signing for them. I've always been a big fan of Akanji. Saw him a lot at Borussia Dortmund. I thought he was outstanding. Yes, he made that had that mix up with Edison, um, but he still was. I thought uh, very, very good tonight. And then when you look at the bench, when you can bring on players like Phil Phone to bring off when you bring off, have to bring off De, De Bruyne, kind of adds a little bit of a different dimension, doesn't he? Certainly in that final third, uh, Phone, and he has that explosiveness and that ability to turn like he did, drop the shoulder, and that turn was. Off the, you know, it was unbelievable. It was, it was, it was almost jaw drop, uh, jaw dropping. Um, unfortunately, the finish didn't match it, um, and and one could say he had a shocker there as well, and that could have ultimately have cost City. You know, when you when you one nil up, you know they like like Tommy was saying, you score that, the game's done, it's over and done with, and Inter have got no chance anymore. So, um, I, I thought all over the pitch, City had all the experience. Um, to, to carry it over the line. And, and and that's what showed in the end. But they did ride their luck, as we know. Kevin De Bruyne getting subbed off. What a shocking week for the Belgian golden generation. Eden Hazard released on a free transfer. Romelo Lukaku misses that chance. And uh, Kevin De Bruyne off injured in, in this Champions League final. But uh, as far as how Manchester City adjusted, uh, Mark, you also mentioned starting Ake over um, Kyle Walker, who came on later in the game as a sub anyway. Uh, was there much you could read into how Pep Guardiola tactically approached the game, particularly with regards to the isolation and limitation of Erling Haaland, who, other than one shot on target in the first half, did not have a profound impact on the contest? I think what's what unbelievable about Man City is that you can afford to allow your 52-goal striker to be isolated and to, to almost be nullified in the game because you've got so much quality and the rest of the team, you've got game changes all over the, over the park, right? So they've got the ability to hurt any team. So the fact that they're happy for Haaland to do what he did, you know, to to really just try and take players out of the game um, because of his presence, and that's what happened. He got nullified. He got very little service, but it allowed that space for you know we saw uh, uh, we saw in that in that in that first half or sorry second half certainly with Bernardo Silva having a lot of space on that side um, and then and then uh, Phil Foden of course you know he was the one I think that benefited from Haaland being so under pressure for most of the game yeah you know again um, you know I think uh, you know that threat from from runs from deep I think has been a a trademark for for Man City. We, we've obviously, you know, Rodri, you know, he scored against Bayern Munich as well in in the semi final, uh, also a quarter final, I think it was. Um, and, and you know, we got Gundogan, obviously, you know, got the two goals in the FA Cup final. So, so I totally agree that, you know, you know, he has a role to play despite being nullified. You know, Haaland, you know, he, he occupied two defenders. Uh, they played the three at the back, and that that allows you know other players to to get into that space, uh, and that's the strength of of him. And you know we can question his his um, you know his chance. He probably should have done better, um, but other than that, you know he he still had a, a big role to play. Uh, well, we can't forget how big how big and important John Stones has been for Man City. I, I think he has been one of their best players all season. Um, the transition from from centre half to to right back to to you know centre midfield, 
he benefited <clears throat> certainly in that first half and, and, and parts of that second half to the fact that Rodri was under so much pressure for most of the game. He was just cancelled out of the game. John Stones wasn't the player that, that was free. There was one moment in that second half, though, where his touch let him down. They were in a big moment. They could have done something. They could have potentially hurt Inter. But other than that, I, I thought he had a flawless uh, performance in the game. Unfortunately for him, he had to go off what, what looked like possibly a, a, maybe a slight injury, but certainly fresh legs coming on with Kyle Walker. Um, so yeah, that, that, I think when you when you look at the way that uh, Man City played the game, the, the the experience they had, the the style of football they played or they try and play, they're always dangerous on the front foot. No matter how much under pressure they are, you just know that if they do get in that final third, they do have a little bit of space, and it doesn't matter who's there, they've got the ability to hurt you. Just quickly on Inter, because for so much of this Champions League, they have been the other guys in their group when it was Bayern and Barcelona. Inter were the other guys, and they knocked out Barcelona. And now we've seen them advance all the way to the final, put up a great contest. I thought if anyone was going to win them this game, it was DiMarco, because he was able to swing in some dangerous crosses and get into dangerous positions. And perhaps the uh, amount of XG Inter did generate is a credit to the fact that they did try some things in this final. And yet, you look across their team, Mark, it's not like they had many standouts. It really was a, a testament to Simone Inzaghi and the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. Very much so. Well drilled, well organised, a very fit side. Um, certainly players that can hurt you. Martinez up front. Dzeko's shown time and time again still that he's a that he's a big, big match winner, uh, game changer for, for Inter Milan. Um, and also, obviously, you look at their bench, bench with certainly Romelu Lukaku coming on, has the ability to hurt you. Didn't do it today, but can do it. Uh, Brozovic in midfield, we saw him you know, for Croatia at the World Cup, he does not stop running. He does. He's an unbelievable um, engine in that midfield. He's a quality player on the ball as well. So, uh, Barella. Barella, another player that just... I mean, his mobility all over the pitch was outstanding. And Tommy mentioned it earlier on in the podcast, I thought the back three were, were outstanding. Uh, I really did. Vestoni, uh, Damian and uh, Azerbi were, were, were brilliant um, in that game. And I think the way that Inter Milan set up... They set up to be defensively really tough. They wanted they, they wanted to show um, City inside where they had numbers, certainly in midfield and in the back three as well. Show them inside. Didn't want to have people coming in behind around them too much. And uh, that really, really was part of their game plan. And you saw a lot of times Martinez. How often was Martinez back in his own yard box helping out, defending, uh, making some crucial blocks? So it just goes to show that, that, that they... They're a side that um, can wear teams down. They can nullify teams' of tactics, and then they have the ability to hurt you. It just didn't work for them today. You know that, that little bit of luck, um, that little bit of extra quality, just wasn't there in that final third and in the end. And let's also mention that for Inzaghi, the coach, that's his first loss in eight finals. So he's won the previous seven finals. I mean, that's some going. Yeah, and I also think from a bigger picture, I think. Uh you know, this season has been the emergence of, of Italian football. I think, uh, obviously, you know, Milan going into the semi-final. We've seen Sampdoria, uh, obviously, in, in you know in the conference final. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just been a you know that that that's been a, one of the great stories, and and Inter has been at the forefront. Of, as, as I think you said, Theo, I think they've they've been underdogs uh, all the way through, and everyone had, had written them off, but they've uh, found a way to win. And and uh, and I think again, yeah, today. You know, Mark's just run through it. You know, they they've got the team and and they're well drilled and and they play with that energy that, you know, that's so hard to to deal with. Uh, and uh, yeah, they deserve their you know deserve a lot, lot of credit despite losing. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, let's have a bit of fun to finish the Gagan Pod with legacy checks for various personnel involved in this final. And we start with the most obvious one, Pep Guardiola, because now on the list of uh, European Cup and uh, Champions League winners, Carlo Ancelotti has four. Pep Guardiola joins Bob Paisley and Zinedine Zidane with three. Can we make the case that Pep Guardiola is one of the best of all time, if not the best of all time? Or is he merely the best of his generation? Because as we know, football changes so much over the decades and over the generations. Mark Schwarzer, how big do you want to go on Pep? I'm going to go back to the analogy um, that Noel Gallagher came up with in the terms of a room that uh, Manchester United are in and Man City have just joined them. And I think uh, Carlo Angelotti is in his own room. He's in the penthouse suite at the moment. And the rest of the guys are in the uh, sub penthouse, um, and and I don't really want to. I, I think it's impossible to 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 declare that a manager is the greatest of all time. It's like the whole player debate. Um, I think when you when you look at a list of certainly players and what well, managers exactly alike, I think there's a the list is quite quite long, um, and there's a there's probably a good uh, a good way you know I, I suppose a good defence. Um, to 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 nominate a lot of different managers for various reasons and what they accomplish throughout their career as as we do with players give reasoning stats all sorts of stuff so pep is right up there no doubt 100 percent um but like i said he's in the sub penthouse at the moment he's uh just behind carlo angelotti he's still smoking those cigars and uh celebrating in the fountain in madrid i think it is that's where he's, he had the fountain in Madrid transported to his penthouse. Yeah, and no, again, you know, for you know, I think he's a, he's an absolute uh, legend. You know, we can discuss. It's the same with players. We can discuss who's the best and everything. But I think for for what he's done to football, how he's he's reinvented. Uh, you know, the way people play. You know, um, you know, the, you know how clubs are constructed. I think. You know, he's been a, you know, someone that a lot of coaches have looked up to and, and he sort of spurred on a, a totally new direction of of management and, and how you approach the game. I, I think that's, that's, you know, you can look at trophies, but I think for me, that's what I will pin on him is that, you know, he, he's, you know, he's re- revolutionized football or definitely one of the coaches that, that has taken football in a totally new direction. And, uh, and he's had the results to back it up in trophies as well. So, you know, he, he'll forever be right at the top. I, I think the fact now that he's done it without Messi is, is a big thing, right? So previously people said at Barcelona, it was Messi, Messi and Pep and Pep was able to win it because of Messi. And, and an, there was an element of truth in, in that in terms of that's why Barcelona also was so good because of the fact they had one of the best players on the planet, one of the best players ever. Um, and now he's done it with another team. Um, and he's done it with a, a, an unbelievable team that he's created, helped create, you know, been, been at the fore of creating. Um, so, yes, I agree. He, he, he has changed the way people look at football, the way that people have tried to emulate, the way that, that his teams have played, certainly when he was at Barcelona. Um, but there have been various coaches throughout the period, period of history who have done the same. 
um, in terms of changed the game to a different direction of elevated the game. I mean, when you look at Johan Cruyff when he took over at Barcelona as well, I mean, he was kind of the guru, right? So, um, and, and, and I think... I think Pep has certainly taken the game to another another level and the style of football. Um, but again, he's still in the sub-penthouse, man. He needs to get a couple of more trophies. And Carlo Ancelotti's <laughs> a little bit moving. older. Yeah, but you know what? He's right up there. He's, he's, he's knocking on the door. Legacy check for a couple of players. He gets the winner's medal. He was phenomenal against Real Madrid. But what does this mean for Kevin De Bruyne, that he didn't actually have a big impact on the final itself? You know, I'm more feel for him personally. I don't think, you know, he still had uh, the impact. You know, he, he set up Haaland uh, for, for that chance uh, early on. And, and, I, and I think he would have been a massive impact, you know, in the second half when it opened up uh, and probably... Uh, you know, so it's more a personal thing that you, you feel for him. Um, you know, he, he, it hasn't quite, uh, you know, been his time at, at the absolute highest level we've seen with Belgium. Um, but, you know, he, he is one of, if not, you know, again, we're back to, to uh, but he's definitely, back, you know, on, on the verge of, of the absolute penthouse uh, of, of players. You know, he, he's, he is absolutely one of the best and he's shown that in the Premier League. Uh, I just feel for him personally. But you know what it's like, Tommy, if you don't play a game, right, or you've come off, I mean, it's different for us as goalkeepers, very rarely you come off in a game, but you don't play, you play, you have so little input in the particular, the end game, the final. It's never the same. Yes, of course, he was instrumental. He was a massive part of Manchester City getting to the final. But it's not quite ever the same, 100%. Um, mm. And you feel for him, you have to, because because he's, he's an unbelievable player. Um, and for two finals, um, you know, in three years that he's that he's had to come off injured, that, I mean, that must be absolutely devastating for him. Um, but I think the pain of that has been taken away a little bit, the fact they won it. Um, and uh, But, you know, it, it's... I'm, I, and, and you're right, Tommy's touched on something there about the fact that he's, he's never quite quite been able to do it on the highest, highest stage. So World Cup, and it's not, I mean, we're, we're putting a lot on his shoulders, right? We're, we're going, well, you know, this Belgium side, which was littered with incredible players, didn't kind of hit the heights that people kind of expected. They got to a semi-final, but let's not forget, they got to a semi-final of a World Cup, but we all expected them to get to the final and possibly even win the World Cup. Um, and, and, and we're quite critical of that. And I think the fact that he's missed out on two finals because of injuries, never quite been able to show it at that level. And that's the biggest shame. So hopefully he gets a third chance one day. I mean, we saw Mo Salah. Mo Salah had to come off in that final, you know, and then was able to, to make, you know, make amends, get a chance to play in another final and win it and, and play the full 90 minutes and score a goal. So hopefully there's a, there's a fairy tale ending for, for Kevin De Bruyne as well in the future. Now, I know he's only 22, but where does the legacy of Erling Haaland go from here? Do we think that he is now winning multiple Champions League with, with Manchester City? Or it, does this actually free him up to say, all right, well, now I can choose Real Madrid when I want to. I can choose when I want to leave. I've reached the pinnacle with Manchester City already. I maybe don't owe them anything because I've helped, albeit not having the greatest final, I've helped them reach the mountaintop. You know, there is there's absolutely no guarantees in football. Um, you know, uh, you know, sometimes the grass is not always green on the other side. I, and I, you know, I hope he stays at Man City for at least a couple of years. I'm sure he'll seek a, another challenge at some point, and and he'll go. You know. You know, if he continues this trajectory or just stays at this level, he'll go to a contender no matter no matter where, and he'll always be in and around the 
you know, the the big end of the Champions League and other competitions, um, you know, so he'll win a, a lot more trophies. But I think it, it'll come down to him just having the hunger. You know, we've seen with Ronaldo and Messi. So to, to be an all-time great, you've got to have that, you know, inner hunger to just keep progressing and, and keep improving and, and, and the hunger to keep scoring. And, and that is, he seems to have it. Uh, and this is what we'll see over the next three, four, five, six years. You know, if he if he gets complacent or if he just keeps on the same trajectory. And, and that's what I hope. Uh, and then he'll win a lot more trophies for sure. He's not hiding nothing. He's won the treble. He's scored 52 goals in all competition. <laughs> what, is, what has he got to do now? Like, how is he going to get any better than that? Like, hey, what's going to happen next season? Do we, do we remember that, that three games where he didn't score early in the season and they were like ringing the alarm bells? <laughs> you know, Haaland, what is he? Yeah. You know, he, he, there's, there's not really a lot of... Uh, you know, headroom left in the car. You know, it's it's, it's pretty tight. But if, but if you look at the final, right, and the way he played or how ineffective he was in that in the final tonight, I mean, would people be critical of him had he have not scored 52 goals leading up to it and been such a big player throughout the course of the season? You know, it's it's the it's the pinnacle. It's the biggest game of the season for them, arguably. Um, and certainly the, 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 the last one of the season and, and, and the, what, the game changer... Um, and I mean, I, 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 we said it earlier on. I, I think he played a big part, but his overall performance wasn't particularly great. What I actually would say he did incredibly well today was in the defensive duties in that pocket. The amount of headers he won in that first zone area as a goalkeeper, I'll be buzzing having my striker there. I mean, Bobby Zamora used to do it. I mean, I'm talking about Bobby Zamora and Ellen Harlan here. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to compare the two, but what I'm saying is. At Fulham, I mean, he was massive in our European run. In that pocket, in that hole there, balls whipped in. Big guy, always won every header. And that was the same what Haaland did tonight as well. I thought he was outstanding in that defensive part of his game. Final question, and I'm going to bring it full circle because I started the pod talking about big picture legacy and the comparisons to Manchester United, and that's where we'll finish. Sam Pilger, Optus Sport contributor, albeit Manchester United correspondent, so put it in that context, has tweeted after the game. Pick your treble. 1999, a team based on academy players, many of them local Mancunian lads. 2023, an autocratic nation state with unlimited wealth and a sports washing project with an overturned UEFA ban and 115 current unanswered charges for cheating and rule breaking. (laughs) Now, not to be a downer for the Manchester City fans who are celebrating this morning, but I mean, there is a little bit of watch this space with the, the legal wrangling that will go on forever after. Without sending you down the rabbit hole, do you have any final thoughts on maybe just the slightest caveat that remains hanging over this amazing treble season? Uh, you, you know what? Uh, you know, we can only judge what, what goes on on the field. And, and, you know, it just shows in football that there's different ways. It was a different time. You know, um, you know United, I think they're... You know, I think they you can you can obviously credit their scouting and they they got the right players in and 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 a good manager and it all came from there. But but you can also then look at the the amount of work that's been done at Manchester City. Yes, in a different way, and then they've spent money and and uh, that's obviously the the after match the uh, aftermath that we'll see maybe fold at uh, unfold at, at some point. But. You know what? You know, I don't think we should compare. Like Mark, Mark said earlier, like let 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 them both join that uh, penthouse and and shake hands. And uh, you know what? You know, <laughs> and keep the rivalry. That's what we want. You know, I I, I appreciate what he he was writing, but you know what? Maybe a bit harsh. Look, I I, I agree. It's it's about timing, right? So it's about the different periods of time. And and Manchester United were 
the juggernaut, yes, they brought players through the academy. They were fortunate to have been able to bring in that many players at one time because they've never done it again since. They've never been able to bring, what, six, seven, eight players at one time that all went on to be incredible players for Manchester United for, for a sustained period of time as well. Um, they they were able to generate a huge amount of uh, wealth when they when they floated. The size of the club, the success that they had, they kind of were ahead of everyone by miles. Um, then obviously there were the emergence of owners buying clubs with wealth and creating and, and allowing the club to, to, to elevate themselves. Yes, buying teams. Chelsea did the same thing. Um, Newcastle, to a large degree, is doing the same thing, but on a, on a probably more, more of a controlled way. Um, Manchester City, yes, they've spent absolute fortunes um, in, in creating the team that they've created. And I think that, like Tommy said, we, we only can judge it on, on what's current at the moment. And, and there, there are charges, accusations, charges. Nothing's been proven as yet. So we've got to go with what we've seen and what, we've, you know, what, we, we've, uh, what they've been able to produce this season and over the last couple of seasons. And if some period of time down, in the, in the, down the line that they, 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 they prove that one way or the other, we can have maybe another discussion then. But at the moment, I think we, we've, got to, we've got to look at what they've done and admire what they've done. And, and you've still got to, you know, you've still got to build a team. You've still got to put them together and you've still got to make them function and, and operate on the same level and play as well as they've played. And I think that's the beauty and the remarkable bit of it. You know, the, the management and the style of football, the coaching um, and obviously the quality of players and, and how many players have gotten better. Let's not forget how many players have improved incredibly under Pep Guardiola. And that doesn't happen enough in management, I believe. Yeah, and I think that's where we can compare the two sides is incredible management. You know, Alex Ferguson, what he did, Guardiola, what he has done now. I think that's where they're absolute equal, um, you know, and, and uh, that's where this should be compared. Well, gentlemen, thank you for a fantastic season on the Gegenpod. Club season, of course. The Gegenpod will continue to tick over and we'll be back for the new club season too. I'll leave you with this thought. Nathan Jones's Southampton is the reason Manchester City didn't win the quadruple this season. You just never know who might pop up and have the biggest say on the season when we're talking about has he Has he tweeted that himself? Or? <laughs> Plenty of people are doing it for him. Um, Thomas Sorensen, uh, thank you for your contribution to the Pod this season. Yeah, looking forward to it. We've got the Women's World Cup coming up, so can't wait for that. And Mark Schwarzer, thank you as always as well. Been an absolute pleasure, Teo. And yes, can't wait for the Women's World Cup. Um, not long now. And uh, hopefully Matildas will do us proud. I'm sure they will. Yes, a big thanks to Mark Schwarzer and Thomas Sorensen. Of course, Optus Sport is your home of live football and it's your home of teams that get the job done in Europe as well. West Ham, Sevilla, Manchester City, where have you been able to watch all three of those teams this season? Of course, on Optus Sport. Live football continues. Check the Optus Sport website and app for the J-League and K-League to tide you over before the Women's World Cup. That does bring us to the end of the men's club football season. I want to give a big thanks to our other regulars, Michael Bridges and Amy Duggan, who have joined us on a regular basis throughout the course of the campaign. My name is Teo Pelizzeri. It's been a pleasure and a lot of fun to host the Gagan Pod this season. Make sure you hit subscribe and rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. There are going to be plenty of episodes dropping during the Women's World Cup and the next club football season will be on us before you know it. That's it for now, though. Thank you for listening to the Optus Sport Football Podcast for the 2022-23 season. This was the Gagan Pod.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.